The snow is falling, the nights come early, and you're listening to Burning Rock Radio. Burning Rock Radio is the ongoing story of Ivy Romeo's search for her friend Sam. If you're new to the podcast, we suggest that you listen from the beginning. Chapter 9. If in that room, a friend await. I hate most games, at least until I start playing them. I hated Crown's moonlit seaside monster game, and then I liked it, and then I hated it again by the end. I kind of hoped that by the time I emerged from the second floor of Reed's house, the rest of the group would have stopped playing Lana's game. Maybe I even hoped that the game would magically uncreate itself and cease to exist. Either would have been fine. Instead, as soon as we got to the table, Lana said, Hey, how about another round, guys? Ivy, you can be on Sam's team. I'll be on Reed's. And since I haven't yet developed the kind of courage required to stand up on the table, break a glass of something on the ground, and shout, I will not, I simply nodded and said, Sure thing. When I looked over at Sam, he was grinning at me like he could see straight through my fake enthusiasm. Part of me thought he could see straight through it. I really do believe that hiding in rich people's studies with somebody else bonds the two of you together in a way previously reserved for war buddies and married people. So Reed handed me a card and I flipped it over. The word was shtick. People who make games are the literal devil. At least I didn't have to spell it, I guess. I was about to start rambling some ridiculous clues until the timer put me out of my misery when the phone rang somewhere deep in the house. I'm sorry. I have to get that, Reed said, finishing off the rest of the drink in his glass. I'm uh, expecting a call from my hip specialist. Probably didn't need to know that. Reed got up from the table and Lana came to take his place. That's fine. Sam can just play on both sides, she said. Yeah, that works for me, he replied. I'm kind of a double agent by nature. Brad chose that moment to speak what might have been his first word of the night. Actually, we all looked up at Brad. I really hadn't heard him speak until now. In fact, I had kind of lost sight of the truth that he was here at all. When he finally did speak, he sounded like a normal enough dude, which also kind of threw me off. I think maybe I expected him to have some kind of English accent or something. He kind of looked like the type. Actually, Sam can stay on his team, Brad said. I'm afraid I'm going to go need to find a restroom. Brad got up from his chair and walked out. I felt almost let down in some sense. I think part of me had been waiting for Brad to talk all night, and now that he had, it was somewhat disappointing. Briefly... I considered the fact that I may well pass through the entire quarter never hearing another thing from him. We didn't have any classes together or anything. On the bright side, in the general commotion, people seemed to forget that it had been my turn. Sam drew the next card, and I was able to slip mine into the discard pile without fanfare. Um, okay, Sam said. So this is a large mammal that's gray. I absently watched Brad walk out of the room and into the entryway. A gray whale, Lana said. Crown jumped into the conversation. No, it can't be a gray whale. He said the word gray to describe it. You can't use a word that's in the name. 
Lana sighed loudly. Brad paused in the entryway. Instead of going off to look for the bathroom, he shoved his hands into his pockets and swayed side to side like he was nervous about something. A hippopotamus, I offered absently without taking my eyes off of the entryway. I was right. It was a hippopotamus. I didn't pay much attention to the next round because I was watching Brad. Brad never left to find a bathroom. Instead, when Reed tried to pass through a moment later, Brad cornered him. Reed, now carrying a large tray of pastry, looked a little impatient to get back to the party. He gestured toward us, and I averted my eyes to make it look like I wasn't watching. I couldn't hear anything that they were saying over the game being played at the table, but Brad removed something from his jacket pocket and gestured wildly with it. Reed frowned and reached out for the piece of paper. Brad gave it to him, and after a moment, Reed turned quietly and opened the drawer of the catch-all table beside him. He placed the paper into the drawer and shut it. This seemed to make Brad angry. Brad took something of a menacing step forward, face twisted in anger. He reached for the drawer, but Reed didn't yield. He put out a hand to keep Brad at a distance. Brad said something else, stared at Reed for a long moment, and then took his coat off of the rack and walked out the door, slamming it in such a way that the vibrations reverberated through the house. Sam looked up, but didn't ultimately seem to care that much. How very interesting. What had I just witnessed? Both Brad and Reed looked angry, but it seemed to me that Reed had taken something from Brad that Brad had not intended to give him in the first place. Reluctantly, I went back to playing the game, deciding that I had probably snooped around enough for one night. The next morning came with a brutal insistence. Branches tapped against my window. The dead barren, skeleton-finger-type branches you only find in weird little coastal towns. I felt like I had only slept for a couple of hours, which might be close to true. We all got in about two the night before, and after eating a few junkier snacks and telling the story of what happened in Reed's attic, I went to bed. I couldn't be sure with all the fog, but the general dim nature of the light made me think it was still early. I checked my alarm. Sure enough, it was only 7.30. What in the world woke me up at 7.30 on a Saturday? It only took me a moment to figure it out, because a second later, I smelled the first wafts of coffee coming from the kitchen and heard someone crashing around in there, presumably cooking breakfast. What in the world would possess somebody to do that? Strangely enough, my veins were already pumping like I had already had a cup or two of coffee, I think I must have slept lightly, and so now that I was awake, I could already feel any chance of falling back asleep slipping away. I reached over to my nightstand for my poetry notebook, opening the drawer and feeling around inside. I had taken to scrawling a couple of verses in there on most mornings. It felt sort of like a journal entry, but with less clear-cut lines. There was more shade to it, I think. I felt around in the drawer for a moment, but didn't find my notebook. Next, I sat up in bed and leaned over the piece of furniture, looking inside. 
There was nothing. My journal was gone. I spent the next five minutes looking for it. I knew it had to be here somewhere. I would never take it out of my room, not with the wealth of private thoughts and information I kept tucked in those pages. But I couldn't find it. How could I have been dumb enough to misplace that thing? Lana was the kind of person who would absolutely have a field day if she found it. I could just imagine her photocopying pages and taping them to the bathroom mirror, the dryer, the milk carton. She could make my life terrible if she wanted to. After scouring my entire room, I decided to head out to the common area in hopes I had left it on the table or something. Plus, breakfast didn't smell half bad. The scent of blueberry pastry mingled with the bacon as I pulled on my sweatshirt and slippers and stepped out into the hallway. Lana was standing at the stove, hair up in a sort of floppy bun. She was wearing a robe too, and she had some very loud Bigfoot slippers poking out from underneath. Hey there, sleepyhead! Lana raised a spatula in my direction. Grab a pan, flip a pancake. I grabbed a weird goose mug out of the cupboard instead. Can I have some coffee? I asked. Yeah, as long as you grab a pan afterwards. She grinned, passing me an oven mitt. I put it down immediately and poured myself a mug of coffee, drinking half of it in one long swig. Hey, I said. You haven't seen a little green book around, have you? I was careful not to specify that it was a notebook and careful not to sound too concerned. I didn't want to tip her off. No, why? Did you lose your diary? She teased. (laughs) No. I chuckled in spite of the fact that she had come remarkably close to the truth. I drank the rest of my coffee and picked up a spatula. So, what are we doing here? I waved to the kitchen with my new cooking implement. Just making breakfast, she said. Lana was cool and everything, but once she decided to attempt to be mysterious, she was very good at keeping you in the dark by literally just avoiding your questions. I took a second pan down from the bar above the stove, matched the level of heat that Lana was using on her own burner, and waited for the pan to heat up. I had no idea what I was doing. My mom owned a restaurant, and I had made a point of never learning anything about cooking, just to be contrary. Maybe I should have written about that in my English essay. As I stood there pouring pancake batter, thoughts of Reed's paintings resurfaced in my brain. If Lana wasn't going to explain this weird giant breakfast, maybe she would talk about the creepy urban legends instead. So, I asked, does your town have, like... A sea monster story? I had been thinking about it a lot, and I figured if Reed's family had managed to get themselves obsessed with some sort of monster, they might be drawing inspiration from something. Maybe the town itself had its own ghost and monster stories, and maybe they were a lot more specific than we realized. Lana tilted her head curiously at me. I don't know, I mean, every coastal town has a monster story. She smiled and went back to stirring the bacon. What is that, some kind of party line? I asked. I swear you guys all share a brain half the time. She ignored me happily and continued stirring her bacon. 
I was about to try for a third topic change when someone knocked on the door. I looked up sharply. Why was anyone here this early? I kind of hated them for it, whoever they were. Lana just rolled her eyes and sighed. Here, watch the pancakes, she said. I did as she told me, testing the pancakes by lifting the edges of a couple of them, only to find that they were still much too pale. Lana opened the front door, and I expected her to close it again a moment later, maybe returning with a package or something. Instead, Crown followed her inside and walked to the kitchen. He left the door open, too. He nodded at me and sat down at the counter. I almost asked him why he hadn't closed the door, but the answer followed him in about five seconds later. Sam walked in. He still looked tired and dazed, and he looked at the front door like he had never seen one before. Then he closed it behind himself. So, is this like a breakfast party? I asked. Everyone ignored me. This was clearly a thing that they had all planned, so it was interesting that no one had told me about this little gathering. Maybe they thought I was going to sleep through it. Normally, I probably would have. As Sam made his way into the room, his gaze connected with mine, and he gave me a weird look. Or at least I thought he did. Maybe it was just because he was still tired, but I couldn't help but think that there was something strange about the way he locked eyes with me as he stepped into the room. There was some sort of question there, I think. Hey, Ives. Sam held his hand up, presumably for a high five. How's my partner in breaking and entering this morning? I gave him a high five, but didn't really answer. Too much for my brain to process this early in the morning. I didn't realize people gave high fives after middle school, and I didn't realize that we knew each other well enough for a nickname. I guess I didn't mind too much, though. Everyone settled into the kitchen, and Lana returned to the stove. Okay, so what is all of this? I asked again to no one in particular. This is the 12 weeks of brunch, Sam said. You say that like I should know what you're talking about, I replied. Oh, you definitely should, Lana said as she flipped a pancake. Everyone should know about the 12 weeks of brunch. Then why haven't you told me? I asked. I guess we're telling you now, she said. Crown took it upon himself to explain. We all met our first quarter and moved in around the same time, he said. None of us like doing the same things, so we decided that we would just try to expand each other's horizons instead. Basically, we take turns planning the weekly activity for the friend group. As he explained, I couldn't help but notice that Sam seemed to be taking the opportunity to study me again. It was subtle, but... He was still looking at me like he wanted to ask a question, but couldn't figure out how to phrase it. It was starting to feel weird. As soon as he realized I was looking at him, he looked away. It all still felt very middle school. Yeah, so Lana picked brunch, Sam said casually. Yeah, and so for the last 11 weeks, we have eaten shredded potatoes and pig parts every Saturday morning. He grabbed a piece of bacon as if to prove his point and took a bite. Sometimes she throws in pineapple, though. Well, pineapple's very specific, 
I muttered. Then I turned to Lana. You don't strike me as one who would pick brunch, I told her. Hey, I like food, okay? She replied. Crown poured himself a cup of coffee. You're up next, he said to me. Wait, what? What does that mean? I asked. It wasn't very clever, but it expressed my state of mind nicely. Sam stopped by the stove and flipped a couple of pancakes, still pretty obviously watching me. I kind of just wished I could call him on it and see what he would say. It was weird. These guys are weird at breakfast. We all talked about it last week, Crown said. We think that you should pick the group activity for the next 12 weeks. I really did not want to do that, and I thought I would try to deflect by attacking the entire premise. Why on earth would we do it like that? I asked. Why not, like, alternate weeks? Sam shook his head. It's too hard for us to shift our attention like that every week. We all kind of have focus issues. I mean, I guess I couldn't argue with that. Still. And... Lana drew the word out like she was some kind of game show host. We all decided that you have to pick your activity before brunch is over, she said, clearly enjoying the sadistic side of this whole thing. I shook my head. I'm good. You guys just, like, carry on as normal. No, Crown said. You gotta choose before we split up today. I groaned. Sam picked up a spatula again and lifted a trio of pancakes from the griddle. Try this, he said, pointing at me with a spatula. What's a group activity you hate? It would have been far easier for me to list the group activities that I didn't hate. Still, I answered instinctively. Laser tag. Great, Sam smiled brightly. If you don't choose something in the next 20 minutes, your activity is going to be laser tag. There's a great place just up the road. Ugh, what a rotten move. Fine, I said. We'll just do a movie night. Eh, boring, Crown said. Oh, okay. I'm glad you're being judgmental about this. You know, there are only so many options for group activities in small towns. Really? Lana said. Because Crown's group activity is choosing a new historically haunted house to tour every Friday, complete with a picnic lunch consumed on the ghostly lawn. I paused. If she was being serious, then Crown definitely had me beat. I also felt a chill run down my spine at the mere mention of ghost hunting. I didn't uh, know there were that many haunted houses within lunching distance, I said. But I said what I said. We're doing a movie night. Hmm. Movie night it is, Lana said. I glanced at Sam. He was still looking a little grim. October 2007 There was a time, not long ago, when Halloween was my favorite time of the year. Fear was theoretical and danger was far away. 
Shops handed out candy and everybody dressed up as ghosts and goblins and our favorite Lord of the Rings characters. I loved the scary movies, the giant spiders on the roofs, and the candlelit jack-o'-lanterns lining Amherst Street. But that was before Sam disappeared. It was before I started seeing impossible shapes on the horizon, and it was before my dreams took a turn and the world cracked open, revealing that evil within. So, I'm sorry if I'm a little cynical this year, but... I like to think I come by it honestly. Thank you for listening to Burning Rock Radio. Visit us at www.burningrockradio.com and follow us on Instagram at Burning Rock Radio. As always, we appreciate your ratings and reviews. And Sam, if you're out there, we all miss you and hope to see you soon.